Have you ever had a crush on someone who didn't like you back, but when they start showing any signs of reciprocating that crush, you lost all interest? Why? Why does it happen? This week, we explored some of the reasons why we like people who don't like us back and the appeal of liking people we can't have, either because they're in a different country or aren't emotionally ready for a relationship and what our crushes tell us about our own emotional vulnerability. Hi, I'm Caroline, your host, and welcome back, or welcome, if you're listening for the first time, to Questions in Your Twenties. I have an update. So I have made a couple new friends over the last month, which I'm really excited about because, as I expressed in my last episode, I want to expand my horizons a little bit and preferably make new friends outside of med. But given that the opportunities that I have through hobbies are mostly where I make my friends and because I don't do debating anymore, so I'm not really making friends with like debaters. So I only have swimming or Pilates, both of which aren't very friend-making inducing. So... I still haven't made new friends outside of med, but I have made a lot of friends inside and mostly either within my uni, but from different year levels, which is new or from different unis in the same state and even a bunch of people outside of the state too. So even though I haven't been able to expand even more, um, I'm really happy that I and meeting new people and getting to know a lot of people who are very different from the sort of the niche-ish cohort at my uni. So I was so excited to share that because talking about making friends was the, the, the bulk, the crux of last episode. So let's get into this week, the grass is greener syndrome, crushing on people we can't have. So this episode is going to cover a lot about like what it what this means, the human evolution side of comparing ourselves to other people, and my reflections on crushing people that I would never want to date, crushing on people who wouldn't want to date me, crushing on people who like dating would be impossible and why we crush on people that we would never end up dating and what that means for like why that happens, but also what that means in the context of emotional unavailability because that is something that is worth discussing for people who are and are not interested in dating, are and aren't interested in forming new relationships and I think this is just generally an interesting topic to discuss. So the grass is greener on the other side. This is a phrase that I heard for the first time basically when I was five or six. It was in a picture book. It's something we're taught from a really young age and it's become this notion, this quote that's relatively universally agreed upon I don't think it's a quote that gets challenged or discussed as much as other quotes, e.g. 
beauty is in the eye of the beholder. So let's recap what this quote means. Basically, it's that you always want what you can't have. And this goes from material things. You want the cute tops or the cute jumpers that your friends have that you don't. Or as an adult, you want a house that's bigger than the house that you already have or a car that's flashier than one you already have and you see other people around you have. But it also relates to emotional experiences, e.g. you are are single and you feel like you're missing out on the opportunity to love and be loved when you see people on the internet and your friends around you get into relationships or the opposite. Like we might be in a committed relationship, very loving, very stable, emotionally, financially, but we see our single friends going out, getting out of their comfort zone, meeting a lot more people without sort of the, you like I don't want to say shackles of a relationship, but sort of the, the boundaries or the, the ties of being in a relationship, it might make us feel like we are less extroverted. And so maybe as someone who's in a relationship and looking at their single friends, they might think, oh, like, what if I'm wasting my young years of being in my 20s as like someone who's in a committed relationship? Maybe I should be exploring the world out a little bit more, learning more about myself as a single person. So even though it ties to both material and emotional experiences, This episode is going to focus mainly on emotional just because there's a lot more, I think, to unpack Um, and I'm more interested in it anyway. So where does this come from? What's the origin of the grass is greener syndrome, which is the syndrome of feeling the grass is greener on the other side? So the most scientific explanation or a reasonable explanation that I could think of is that in history, we used to gather resources and hunt to survive. And the skill of being able to assess what other people around us had, the skill to compare ourselves to our neighbours or to use other people's ideas and learn from them to improve your own chances of survival gave people an advantage as the techniques that you were learning from comparing yourselves to other people were helping you to become more efficient and therefore more likely to survive. And I've recently heard someone sort of summarize it in this analogy. Basically, if you walk down the street and everyone is living in a straw shack and suddenly one person puts a roof over their shack, suddenly you're like, oh, I should put a roof over my shack too. And then you're chances of survival against the harsh winter increases. But now we definitely live in a world that's not survival of the fittest core anymore. We live in a world that's very focused on self-help and personal development. And we are definitely more likely to want to compare ourselves with versions of our past because we want to see how much we've developed since then. And it's also better for our self-esteem. So when we compare ourselves with other people and compare ourselves with our past 
definitely when we're comparing ourselves with our past, we're setting ourselves up for better to where what are we we're setting ourselves up to set more achievable and realistic goals and it's better for our self-esteem because even if there's always someone who's going to be better or faster than you at doing something if you see that the version of you today is faster than who you were yesterday that's a win but then you might ask Why do we have a need to compare ourselves with other people when we benefit the most mentally and practically by comparing ourselves with our old selves? And while I don't think I understand enough about human survival instincts from thousands of years ago and how they have affected the ways we've evolved as humans, my best educated guess is that even if it's a lot better, for our mental health and esteem if we were to compare our new progress with our limits of the past. Comparing your new self with your old self wasn't an instinct that helped you survive in the past. So it will always be comparing yourself with other people that sort of helps you stay alive. Now that we've sort of covered the basics and likely the origin of where this comes from, let's get into the juicy part of the episode. So relationships and specifically crushing on people we can't have. So say you meet someone who's your ideal partner. They're very attractive and smart and funny and you have so many interests in common but they live in a different state or they're already in a relationship or they only see you as like a sibling and could never have feelings for you or they're emotionally unavailable, right? So they've got all these amazing characteristics, but there's just one main thing that stops you from wanting to be in a relationship with them or it could be, you know, a logistical thing like they live in a different state, right? How does this happen why is it that like when we meet someone who seems to be amazing and perfect why is it there's a why is it that that there's always like one thing that makes you not want to date them and my thing is like if that one thing wasn't there so say if they were my neighbor and not in New South Wales and say they were single, so they weren't taken, and say that they're emotionally available and entirely mature and would contribute so much to the quality of my life, and they liked me back, so they're basically super accessible, right? Would I also, like, would that, would my perspective of them change? Would they still look as attractive, smart, funny, and compatible? I don't think so. And I don't know if this is like a phenomenon that is quite common, but I know that for me, yeah, like when someone is so inaccessible, I think I feel the most attracted to them. So why is that when someone we like likes us back, we lose interest? And obviously this is not the case that happens all the time because if it is, then 
people wouldn't be in mutually loving relationships. But when it happens, why? And after giving it some thought and drawing back to my own experiences and thinking about the reasons why I've stopped liking someone as soon as they've liked me back, I've come to the conclusion that it's me. I am the problem because I am the common denominator in these situations. And something I noticed is it doesn't always happen. So at a time where I've been emotionally available and sort of open to dating, then I ended up dating someone for a really long time and because I liked them and they liked me back. So I didn't go running. So why is it that sometimes I run and sometimes I don't? And I realized basically it's always been during a time where I was unemotionally available, which is something we'll um, unpack as well. And not in the mindset to date that I have run away from people. And this could be for many reasons. Either earlier on it was because I was too young to be getting involved in relationships or I saw myself as sort of too inexperienced with the world to even like venture into romantic relationships. I wanted to work on like friendships or, you know, and I was also studying a lot in my earlier high school days and I didn't, yeah, I just felt a bit too young. Um, but when it wasn't the case, it might've been, I just wasn't ready for a serious relationship and I just wanted to sort of, you know, talk to people and get to know people better and like sort of work on my social skills before I started dating or because I'm recently single, it's also, and definitely emotionally unavailable now, I just want to have fun and be flirty, but not enough to put myself out there and start, start all over again. So what are the reasons why we like people who are emotionally unavailable? Or why is it that we like people who don't like us back? Or why do we like people where the circumstances are basically impossible for us to get together? I have boiled it down to four main reasons. One, we can enjoy the fun and the excitement of the chase of putting ourselves out there, of putting ourselves outside of our comfort zones, of getting to know new people outside of our comfort zones without having to commit to any form of a relationship. And why I think this is the case is a good strong, emotionally healthy relationship is a lot of work and can be very uncomfortable. Not that it's not worth it. It's, I think it's definitely worth it. But the parts of growing that are involved in going into a relationship is, is some, some personal growth that I have never experienced before my recent relationship. And I'm really grateful for that. In relationships, I'm sharing the most intimate, deepest parts of my life with another person. And it could be about things that you don't like about yourself, which is definitely a thing that 
I don't feel really comfortable talking about with lots of people, which yeah, makes sense. But it could also be a conversation with your partner where they tell you things that you might not see are flaws, but they would see it as things that are worth working on. And these conversations are inevitable in relationships that are growing and where both people are really emotionally in tune with themselves and each other. But these conversations can be really uncomfortable because it forces you to confront the idea that you are so far from perfect as a person, but as a partner as well. And I think because there's a lot of sharing and emotional vulnerability and openness that is involved in relationships, there it, it makes sense why people don't feel comfortable with or like don't feel ready to be committing to these kind of relations, like to, the, to, to be committing to relationships like these. And in a relationship where inner turmoil is so out in the open for the people that are involved and either you or your partner can dissect these really personal issues. I find that it's a lot more challenging than, and definitely I think it's a lot more challenging, but also like very helpful, but it's more challenging because you're not sitting in your own thoughts. You're sitting in your thoughts and your partner's thoughts. When you journal, because I love journaling, right? And journaling is very helpful to help me organize my ideas. But when I journal, I am sitting and manifesting in my own echo chamber of personal thoughts and ideas. I am my biggest advocate when I journal. I'm so gentle with myself. I'm so compassionate. And while those are good traits to have, it also means that when I journal and I sort of reason with the things that I do and and justify my actions, sometimes wrongfully, I don't hold myself accountable for the things that I've done. Say I was really rude to someone and I journal about it that night Sometimes I might journal and then write about like how the other person deserved it when they didn't or how I can be excused for that kind of behavior when I shouldn't be. And when you're taking it outside of your own mind and you sort of talk it through with another person, you realize, oh, okay, I think you definitely confront your flaws more face on when you're doing it with another person. And while we compare sort of like the fun and excitement of like flirting with people just for fun versus like being involved in a relationship that is very deep and, you know, interconnected and personal, while they're both very rewarding experiences, definitely the first one provides a lot more instant gratification and is much more of an accessible form of enjoyment and feeling rewarded and happy. Whereas a committed relationship is something that burns slowly and requires a lot more emotional maturity and availability to pursue. 
The second, this one is kind of, it's like a little bit goofy, but basically I have this thing and I, I just have never discussed any of these things with other people. So I really don't know if it's just a me thing or other people thing. Um, but like, I hate the idea of liking someone and them knowing and to protect myself in these situations, I will like people only from a distance, just so that they never get close enough, just so that they never get to know me well enough to know that I like them back. And I don't know why I feel like this. I feel like liking someone shouldn't be this shameful, deadly sin, but it is in my mind. And it's, I know it's not a universal feeling just because while I know that I take my crushes to the grave, I have friends who are so open about the people they crush on and they would just tell anybody who asked. So, yeah, I think another part is like I would only like people who don't like me back because then they just don't know me well enough or like they might not – like ideally I like them and they don't even know I exist – so that they will never find out that I ever had a crush on them. How weird is that? Um, but, ugh, yeah, I, I don't know. Let's, let's move on. Let's move on to topic. Uh, reason three. When we crush on someone who doesn't like us back, we don't get to know them well enough, not only so that they don't know that you like them too, but we don't get to know them well enough to see their flaws. And I think sometimes I think when we sort of live in a very serious world or like, you know, our nine to fives or the things that we're studying or whatever, just everything else in our lives may feel very serious. It is kind of fun to just have like a little someone that you think about who seems very perfect with no insecurities and no weaknesses and because you don't know know them well enough and you like them only from a distance or you only like them as like a friend or like because you're friends but you're not close enough um I think it's fun to have someone you think about occasionally who seems perfect in your eyes um but we eventually realize that everyone holds a different set of insecurities and among this these insecurities everyone has different fears worries concerns shame disappointment and this perfect image of someone you like cannot last because if you eventually be like get into a relationship with them or if you eventually get closer with them or love them, loving them will involve appreciating how all the aspects of their lives and their fears and their worries and their shame and their disappointment about things are part of who they are and they are also things that we can grow to love as well. Even if their fears are irrational or their worries are, or their priorities or their wor priority worries are different from ours, we eventually love them for all their flaws.
the fourth reason. This one is kind of fun. Why we crush on people who live in a different state from us or a different country or people we meet on like summer vacations, basically people we know like we would never want to be in a relationship with just because we don't want to be long to distance. Um, Not that there's like, I just haven't been in a long distance relationship for long enough to know about it. And I do know that there is one listener in particular who wants to like date someone but it means having to be long distance so to that listener I say don't listen to this part and just go for it um and I also know there are some listeners who do understand like the back story of where this comes from so that's interesting uh but basically why do we like people who just have so many logistical complications with a relationship and like why not like someone who lives basically in your city I think summer holiday smooches can be super fun and exciting especially because you'll never see them again so in this world say like say in this context because my my little argument here only stands on the basis that long distance couples don't exist. Say you meet someone really far away from home and even if you get in a relationship with them, say you're on a holiday for one month or two months or whatever, you know that you will not date them when you go back home again. For people who are very emotionally unavailable, people who aren't ready to commit to a person for the long term, maybe people who can't commit to only liking one person if that's like your thing basically we can like people unemotionally available people no emotionally unavailable people can feel really turned off by the uncertainty of relationships because there are so many from the start making the move to tell them that you like them even if you don't know they'll like you back or the uncertainty of making moves with someone with the risk that making moves on someone with the risk that they'll reject you to the end of a relationship. Um, Getting into a relationship but not knowing how long it'll last or what would be the cause of the downfall. It's just like, like everything, sort of getting into a relationship involves a lot of uncertainty. And I think that scares away a lot of people. And I think that scares away me some like scares me away sometimes too but when you meet someone on a holiday when you're in a different country when you're far away from home you don't care if they reject you because you're never going to see them again it's basically impossible you don't need to worry about how long the relationship would last because basically your relationship is on a ticking time bomb as soon as you get into it there's a strict timeline And that ends exactly on the day that you're flying home. So with these like summer romances or summer flings, the best part about it, and I can see why, is you have so much control over the situation that you wouldn't have otherwise in the real world. So when you're in this little vacation bubble, you 
can control when, how long this relationship goes on for. Um, and I think that's probably why relationships happen when people are on holidays. So those are the four reasons why I believe that people like people who don't like them back or could never like them back. To summarize, one was to be able to enjoy the fun and the excitement of the chase without getting into a relationship or liking someone but from a distance so that they don't know you like them back, liking someone from a distance so that you don't see enough of their weaknesses, their flaws, and liking someone so that you can be entirely in control of the situation, something that you don't get from liking people in the real world. And I have a note to make on the issues of being emotionally unavailable. So I feel like I've mentioned like what it is, basically people who don't really feel ready to open up to another person or to commit to a relationship, whatever the circumstances. But I think be like the con- the connotations of being emotionally unavailable are unfair they're so negative but it's really not a bad thing it's not something that should be frowned upon because there are circumstances that happen to people that lead them to have their guard up and thus be unavailable to be emotionally open it could be a nurture nurture nature versus nurture versus nature thing where it's the environment you grew up in rather than the person that you intrinsically are. It might be the way you watched your parents love or didn't love each other. It could also be because you're recently recovering from the grief of losing a best friend or losing a partner from your life. Um, And you need to spend the next few months focusing on yourself rather than opening yourself up to new people. And I am strongly against dating emotionally unavailable people. I know that not everyone is like this and I do have friends who dated people but just never talked to them about their problems because their partner wasn't emotionally open so they would just sort of go on dates with their partner and like do fun things with their partner but then whenever something bad happened in their life they would go to their friends like I know that's the case and if that works for you then I'm really happy that it does but for me I just would never put myself like I just I think for me like one of the criteria in a partner is for them to be very open emotionally and in tune with their feelings so that we can be in tune with each other's feelings. So if there's someone who's not ready to commit themselves themselves to a mutually exclusive relationship with one other person, if there's someone who's not ready to share their personal and intimate parts about themselves, if there's someone who doesn't want the other person to see the gentle, the cute, the lovey-dovey, vulnerable parts of themselves. I think, and if 
And most importantly, if someone tells you that they're not emotionally available, I think it is a wise decision to run. Run in the other direction, never look back, just get yourself out of there. And I say this from experience because someone I dated who was very cute and very kind and compassionate but really struggled to be emotionally open with me and this is probably because we were so young we were in high school but he really I felt like he just didn't want me to know how much he liked me or or something I don't know it's just he just didn't ever tell me about sort of how he was feeling about me or feeling about school or what was worrying him at home, any conflicts. Like, I never heard much about what was going on in, in the background of this person's life besides our relationship. And I think that drove me insane sometimes or just really frustrated me and I don't think I'd ever want to be in that situation again but I also say like don't date emotionally unavailable people from the view of someone who is currently super unable to share anything with anyone right now and because I just got out of a relationship that lasted almost three years, um, I need at least a few months just to process what's going on. I need to unpack a lot of emotional grief. I need to do a lot of reflection and learning and loving, like being single. And while I'm confident that I will eventually move on and become emotionally available to connect with a future, like a partner in the future at some point, that's not going to be within the next few months at least. And I'm going to enjoy this time in my life as a single person and go back to peacefully crushing on people that I would never date for the reasons above and that's everything I had to cover this week thank you so much for tuning in as always and I'll see you next week